0: Can you hear me? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, we can hear you, yo.
1: Hello, and welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode number 161. My name is CJ Schrader, and with me, as always, my two preliminary co-hosts. First off, we have Jess Dunks. This is Jess. And Brian Prilliman.
0: Hello, I'm Brian P.P. Prilliman. TQ. Yeah, it's oh that's awkward.
1: <laughs> I kinda I kinda miss the days when we were trying to figure out what to call PPTQs. Right. But
0: Oh the the, the, the uh the pre
1: TQs. The pre- yeah, people still call them pre TQs. I'm like, come on guys. The fight's lost, pre is the beta max of the choices. PPTQ one. Let's move on dot org. Let's move on dot org? Yeah. Not dot gov or No. No. MoveOn.org it was some big website like eight years ago. I don't even remember what it was about. I, I, I might I might be being offensive right now. I don't even know. I just, I'm
0: going to go MoveOn.org.
1: Yeah, it was like eight years ago, 12 years ago.
0: Oh, Democracy in Action. Stop yeah. Bannon. Stop Steve Bannon. Abolish the Electoral College. Uh, audit election results from voting machines. Yeah, it's still there.
1: All right, good, good. Um Alright, so on this episode, we're going to talk about head-judging your first PPTQ. And astute listeners might be like, well, didn't you do that episode? And the answer is we did an episode about head-judging your first competitive event. And that episode, just to show how dated it was, focused on GPTs. Because back then, that was someone's first competitive event. And it was also two and a half years ago? It was also nearly 100 episodes ago. So I know we keep using the excuse that it was 100 episodes ago, but... I think right. we, I think there's a lot we can give. Um, this is also going to be a little bit more structured than a, that episode was. I think it's high time to revisit the topic.
0: Right. High and, time. And, <laughs> high time. and while we understand that the truly dedicated Judge Cast fan goes back uh, and starts listening around episode 32 and just powers all the way to to the current time. Um, I like
1: we, that you assume they skip the first 30 for some reason.
0: Well, those were those were the Sea the Cat Ricky. ones. Yeah,
1: I know. But why would they skip them?
0: Well, I mean, because they love us. Okay. Um. So, so we realize that not everyone is is the truly dedicated Judge Cast fan.
2: Or, or just
0: maybe they are, and they just don't have the time. Like that's a totally reasonable. If they were, act, if they were truly dedicated, they'd make the time.
1: Yeah, it's funny. Is like when someone says, "Oh, I didn't listen to the archives." Well, actually, when someone tells me they listen to our archives, I think that's crazy. Why would you do that? And yet, yep. whenever I start a new podcast, I listen straight from episode one every time. Uh,
2: yeah, I've done that with most podcasts I've
1: listened to. Yeah. So I don't know why yeah. it's crazy to me to think of other people doing it, but I do it every time. I listen to 700 episodes of some podcasts because that's how many there were. Jeez. I, I do the same thing with web comics, too. I started at number one. I had to read thousands of one comic. It took me months.
2: Oh, man. <laughs> oh, Going back a... to starting over with questionable content
1: now would just be horrible. It was questionable content. That was what it was. Oh, my God. Let me tell – okay, let me tell one story, and then we'll get into the topic. So, questionable content. I saw a random comic once, and they were on a space station. And I was like – I was like, oh, what is this like, space comic because there's robots and stuff. And I was like – and then I started off, and it's, like, about some dude into indie music living in an apartment. And I was like, how does that reach a space station? And thousands of comics later, I realized that space station thing was a three-comic arc. Like (laughs) –
2: yeah, it was it, just like a random one-off yeah, thing.
1: It like wasn't a, a big deal.
2: It, it was it was a very sitcom centric, centric kind of thing, like Yeah. like end
1: person goes to the space station, you know? right? And uh so I read all that for that reason. But now I continue reading. It's a good comic.
0: Yeah, I and this it. is the first time am hearing of it, so obviously Oh yeah, it's I uh, I did Any pint size I'm home.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's a uh, it's questionable content and It's a it's a uh it's a, it's a comic about some uh, Vegetable kind of hipsters in their daily lives. It's very yeah. Seinfeld-ish, almost. Oh.
1: All right. So let's talk about your first PBTQ. And we've kind of broken this into a few sections. And one is what you do before the event. So, you know, when you're still at home, you just learned you're going to head judge this event. Or you've done whatever your region does to determine that you're going to head judge the event. And then we'll talk about what you do when you're at the event before round one. We'll talk about the player meeting, what you do during round one talk about the rest of Swiss and the top eight.
0: So, so really, really super meta, even even before we, we get into this, where you talked about what your region does, you should really be encouraging your TOs to coordinate with the judges and find judges when they are scheduling their events. Yeah. Because the, the whole um, hey, there's a PPTQ this weekend in uh, Deltona, uh, can anyone work it? Um, th- those are, those are kind of, <laughs>
1: you
0: know, I, I, I can't really articulate it any other way other than just because you, you feel like there's all these emotions, like guilt that somehow, if you don't agree to do it, then the event's going to have to be canceled. And in reality, that's, that's not your fault, right? You, you, you know, you, you don't owe, you know, for lack of a better word, it's like, you don't, you don't owe that TO anything. Uh, for, for you know, not working out. Now, if they had a judge and the judge canceled yeah. and that judge contacts you, that's a completely different story. You know, things come up. But, um, you know, if a, judge, if, a, if a T.O. knows about an event for three months and then, like, uh, two days beforehand, they're like, hey, I need a judge for this thing. I have a whole lot of sympathy there.
1: And to be clear, when they scheduled it, they had to check a box that said that they contacted a level two judge.
0: Yeah, that's also sort of like agreeing to the EULA.
1: Right? I, I know, but...
0: Have you read this, Eula? Do you agree to everything? Yes, of course I agree. Yeah, to definitely,
1: everything. I agree. Just yeah. All
0: right. All right. Okay, so you're contacted. You're contacted by a TO, and he says, "Hey, are you free uh, January um, 7th? And you say, uh, "Possibly. Why? What's going on?" Uh, and he says, "Hey, I got a PPTQ." And you go, uh, "I could be available. What's the compensation?"
1: Ding. Okay. Uh, I had to check if January 7th was actually a Saturday, and it is. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think a lot of judges, uh, people miss that step.
0: Yeah. What's that, the compensation thing? Just asking
2: what it is at all, if it doesn't come up.
1: Yeah, Yeah. because what you don't want to do is get at the end of the event and be like, all right. And they're like, here's your two Snickers bars and a handshake.
2: Yeah, Yeah, and this is true whether you're head judging or not.
0: Right. If that's you think if you if you think it's awkward to ask what the compensation is at that point, um, it only gets worse because <laughs> um, you know the 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 absolute worst point to ask what the compensation is is after you've already awarded uh you know the 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 finals are over. That's the that's the absolute right. worst part. Um, so asking for that up front is is definitely. Uh, where you need to be and you know the to might actually respond with you know might respond with you know a box, a pack and a half per player, two boxes. Or they might respond with, I don't know, what do you think is fair? And you start negotiating. Those are those are things that you want to do, and you want to get that up front because you want to make sure that you're going into this with the same expectations that the TO is as far as uh, what you're going to get paid. Because if you're thinking you're going to get a box and the TO wants to give you a pack per player and only 12 players showed up, yep. uh, that's going to be a really uncomfortable conversation and someone's, someone's leaving angry
2: (laughs) and we're getting off the beaten path a little bit with this here, but, but, uh, it's also okay to have a a rate where you say, this is, this is what I do it for for PDQs. Um, and, uh, and you don't have to feel pressured into just accepting whatever they offer. You can definitely have a, this is what I expect guideline. Yeah. and nobody can tell you what that guideline is except you. I can't right. tell you what that
1: guideline is. Fact, right, right. I, and nobody should be telling you what that guideline is. And uh, this is another opportunity where you can say no. Yep, right. And you yeah. can get the offer, and you can still say no if if it's not worth your time, then don't do it.
0: Yeah. And if if the TO says, "Oh, well, that's that's you know, that's too much," then then you need to be prepared with, "Well, here's why I'm worth it." OK, here's here's what I provide and here's what I'm going to do. And we're going to actually talk about these things uh, as next. Now. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. So. So. Okay, so so one of the things you want to do is you again you want to set expectations. What what uh, things that you expect the TO to have? Now you could have a, a an interaction with this TO. This could be a TO that you work with a whole lot. It could be one that you've never worked with before, but is established, or it could be a brand new TO that's never done a PPTQ before. Uh, so you want to make sure that they have a few things, right? Like what kind of what kind of stuff?
1: Well. So yeah, so the first thing is you want to make sure the TO actually has, and some people who have been judging me are going to think I'm crazy for saying this, but I, I've i heard stories. Uh, you want to make sure that they have a printer and a scorekeeping computer. Sometimes there are TOs out in the world who uh, think that when they hire a judge that you bring everything that's needed to do the actual event. And I don't, you know, I think there's people out there who be like, well, I can bring it, but I don't think that's reasonable. I think at some point the TO has to have something, and that's going to be the printer and the scorekeeping right. computer.
0: Now, they they don't even necessarily have to have a score, a a dedicated scorekeeping computer. But if if the computer that they're going to use is the computer behind the register that they're also making sales on, that's something that you need to be aware of. Like, are you even going to be allowed behind the counter? Okay, yeah. And and that's something that you want to figure out uh, before you show up the day of the event.
1: Yep. Uh, Along those lines, you want to make sure that they have extra paper and ink. Uh, I have been at an event where we ran out of paper and ink at the exact same time. And, uh, it's not fun. I had to, <laughs> I had to show everything on the, on the TV, on one of the TVs. And I could only do like a third of the event at a time, but that was the only way I could get people seated until I could get to, while the TL was out running, getting extra paper and ink. So make sure they have additional replacement paper and ink, not just, yeah, we got ink in the pa- in the printer. Okay. I apologize for my cat. I would, um, by the way, if you, I would push any TO that you work with regularly if they don't have um, a laser printer to get one. Cause you can get it for like 50 bucks and it's far better for printing this kind of stuff than uh, any jet printer. It's cheaper. uh, It's faster. It's just better (coughs) in every way. So that's my opinion. Uh, And then I'd also ask that the TO has scissors and tape. Uh, Used to be that I would push TOs to have an actual big old paper cutter, but that was for PTQs for PPTQs. Uh, scissors are fine. You, I don't think you need the big thing. I don't think it's reasonable to expect the TO to have that. If they do, it's great. But if they don't, you can you can actually find
0: a good number of small uh, paper cutters that can accommodate you know uh, five to ten sheets of paper that are that are relatively compact and and you know sub twenty thirty dollars. Yeah. So. So I don't I don't think it's I don't think it's unreasonable if they're looking to get into those events, then uh, you can you can normally justify And a lot of places they'll actually, you know, at if they have regular FNM's, you can say, look, you're going to get use out of this at every event that you run. And it, adds a, and it adds a touch of class to like print the print the match slips out and have them nice neatly cut.
2: Yeah, it's All more right. than a class. It's a huge dose of professionalism, like just inject it into your event.
1: Yeah, I think that professionalism is honestly, I think it sets magic apart so much because I see other games being uh, run in stores and they're just like, yeah, I don't know. It's just it's so lame to see someone just stand there and be like, OK, Billy, you're playing Jane, you know, sit wherever. You know, I don't know. It's just like, OK, <laughs> still no, has magic in a lot of game stores. Yeah, I know. And I think it, it looks does. awful.
0: But it's it's still really I mean just the whole you know posting of pairings and having match slips and stuff like that just makes everything seem like you are taking it you know it it, it sets a mood yeah uh, that that isn't there when you're just like calling things out
1: when people win they come up and tell you what they what they got yeah um so all right, all right. so a few things you should bring yourself um not you should bring yourself which is true you should be there no you cannot Skype into an event, but you should bring I would say red pins. Do you do they have to have red pins if it's just a PPDQ? No. But it's a good habit to get into because that's what you're gonna be using. The same thing. So the red pins are for writing on the match slips, right? Uh it's a good habit to get into to go ahead and write it out the way you would if you were at a larger event. There's no reason not to. I mean you don't have to, because as we'll talk a little bit, you're either the scorekeeper or you're very you know, you're working one on one with the scorekeeper, so we don't need like a system. But why not practice it here? Yeah.
0: yeah, and and the pins really don't have to be red. They're they're traditionally red at the larger events because that's not a color that the players use. The yeah. whole reason that you have red is just so that the scorekeeper can easily distinguish a judge's writings from a player's writings. Yeah. So you want to use a color. You'd want to use a color that's not blue or black. So if everybody decides to use uh, green glitter pins, then Sure. Sure. Yeah.
2: But yeah, I've seen a lot of purple pens. I've seen a lot of green pens.
0: Yeah. um, Had one TO uh, get yellow glitter pens uh, and give to the judge staff. What? Uh, Turns out yellow on white, not super good. Yep. But the glitter really helped it stand out. So
2: I've also had the same problem with, with TOs that decided that red was going to be a good color of paper for their
0: event. (laughs) Yeah. For real.
2: Yeah, and then you have a, re- a bunch of red pens that don't show up on it. Jeez, that's not pink, but red? Actual red, yes. What? And, and even on pink, it's, it's not the greatest, but it's still visible. On so, red, it, you, you have to be looking for it to see it.
0: So someone ordered the wrong paper color off of, like, Amazon and didn't feel like returning it? Hmm. Is...
2: No, it was, it was just a matter of, of them using a bunch of different colors of paper for different uh, events that were happening at the same time. Oh. And they decided that this particular competitive event was going to get the red paper because they thought it was important and red was an important color.
1: Hmm. So, okay. Other thing you should bring, you should be in uniform and what? what that means could change from store to store. There are some stores that maybe have a shirt they want you to wear. Um, I haven't worked at any, but I've heard of it. Uh, but if if all else fails and you live in a region where you don't have a regional shirt and you don't have a judge shirt because you haven't been to a GP yet, uh, just wear all black. You can't go yeah. wrong.
0: Right. Black. the the To the To sets the sets the uniform, mm-hmm. and uh, I believe if they are very strict about requiring something specific, uh, then they they're the, they need to provide it. Um. So uh, that's that's why at GPS you get the uh, the judge shirts is because those shirts are, you know, what is that is the uniform required for the event? So the they are provided by the TO. Uh, you know, at Star City events, you know, they have a specific shirt, so that's provided.
2: Um, I was under uh, the impression that those were provided by Wizards of the Coast. I, I don't know if that know if that actually matters or not.
0: Um, I don't necessarily understand what the uh, what the distinction is, so I just kind of erred on the side of saying TO. Okay. So I mean, that's you know. Um so, um, so if if the T, if the to wants you to wear a chicken suit, um, <laughs> they're expected to provide the chicken suit.
2: Yeah, that's that. That would be the kind of thing I would want them to bring up up front.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. that's why this is in the pre-event. pre stuff, right? It's in the pre-event. Ask. Yeah, you should ask the, the to. Now, I'm not expected to wear like uh, a you know, uh, a, a team mascot outfit
1: right (laughs) should ask that every time Um, right and then yeah also you know if you got a name tag bring it if you don't you don't i mean you know what are you gonna do so it's i guess the point i'm trying to make here is it's not the end of the world if you don't have the official gp black judge uniform it's fine right
0: and if you're if you're brand new if you're brand new l2 then you probably don't uh a lot of regions uh do uh regional shirts now, highly recommend doing those things. A lot of them look very, very nice, very, very professional, and you control the size and their short sleeve most of the time, which is so much nicer yes, than anything long sleeve. Short sleeves are, are wonderful.
1: Yep. Alright. And then if you're a super overachiever, uh you know, we had we had Nick Zitameron not too long ago and he is an overachiever. He has this whole judge bag seminar. He brings an accordion folder for the deck lists to store all the deck lists in. In my opinion, I mean, these events are, what, 50 players, tops, 60? I don't need that. But if you want it, bring it. Um, An actual real paper cutter, you could own your own, you could bring it.
2: Yep. I I did that for a long time, back in the PTQ days. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Where where you're just like, this is my paper cutter, this one's really, really nice, yours is probably garbage, so I'm Um, just going to bring it.
2: I, I... yeah, if I was had headge- <laughs> if I was a PTQ and I didn't know for sure what they were going to have, I pretty much had a PTQ in the back of my car.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I just going
0: to I've got this envision of of Jess with the uh, with the uh, was it the juke like the trunk yep. up, and he's just like, anybody want to buy a P- P- PTQ? <laughs> anybody want to buy a PTQ? Got a hey, PTQ hey, in a box. VTQ. Hey you guys, PTQ. yeah, I've I've uh,
2: I've salvaged PTQs by having. Uh, the computer and a monitor for a clock and everything, basically everything that wasn't the printer. And I regretted not having the printer.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I mean, you just, you just remind me of some things like Nick will also say to bring a Chromecast if you want, it's like what, 25, 30 bucks, but it'll let you uh, show a clock on a TV. If they have a TV, most stores have have some kind of TV there. Mm -hmm. Just all kinds of stuff. Uh, You could bring pins for the players
0: yeah, there there was one sealed event I was able to save just because I had a box of land in the back, Oof. like a like a thousand count box of, of, of assorted land. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's, that's just like, you know what? That's one thing to make sure the TO has if uh, if it's a sealed. Yeah, event. I didn't think about that.
0: Yeah, land. it's well, they had everything but uh, uh, mountains and plains. So, you know, only 40 percent of the land and like 60 percent of the, what pe- the players were going to play. So. so 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 that's another that's another really good thing um is is what format you know is it is it is it standard is it modern is it sealed uh, because that changes what the expectations are uh, if it's sealed you're going to have a little bit more work to do so you might need to show up for the event A little bit early, Um, if it's uh, modern and you're used to standard, then that gives you an opportunity to review. You know what what kind of decks, what kind of common rule interactions. It gives you a chance to look up. You know, look up how Blood Moon works with whatever your favorite uh, uh, type changing things are, or fetch lands, or anything like that. Um, so yeah, so that, that gives you the opportunity to, to again, prepare, you know, you might need to show up a half an hour early if it's, if it's sealed, uh, something else that controls, uh, whether or not you need, what time you need to show up, uh, do you have a scorekeeper? Do you have a dedicated scorekeeper?
1: Yep. <clears throat> Sometimes they have someone who's just working there and they can just be the scorekeeper for you. Sometimes you need to be the scorekeeper, which means you also need to register people. You need to enter the names as they register
2: Often it's some combination of those things.
1: Yeah. Again, it all it all it
0: might boil back down to: Are you going to be allowed behind the counter? Yep. You know that that exactly. that often determines whether or not you have a scorekeeper or you are your own scorekeeper. Is what that rule is at that particular store. Um, if uh, do you have a clock? Uh, or is there some means now this is, this is pre event stuff. You can sometimes get away with doing this at the event itself, but you know, is there going to be a clock
1: that's available? And if not, can there be before the event? Yeah. need something <clears throat> to count down. I mean, yeah, if you have to, you can do the, okay, the round ends at seven 45, you know, and write that on a big piece of paper, but uh, a clock is so much better. Right. So, and, it, that, and that's what I was saying. Like, a. Uh, uh, a TV you can Chromecast onto. I mean, that's a lot of options. Just you need something. Yep,
0: uh, having having a clock prominently displayed will save you having to answer judge how much time is left in the round uh, about four times around. Even if you announce at thirty minutes remaining in the round, ten minutes remaining in the round, okay. you know, two minutes remaining in the round, they're still going to be like, you know, judge how much time's remaining, and you're going to look at your clock, and it's 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 ten. 10 minutes and 10 seconds you're like oh i was just yep. about
2: to announce it. and uh it, it will also help speed your tournament in two ways first of all players will know how much time they have left and might play faster but secondly players will see that the round has ended and be more prepared to start the next round yep. uh when they see oh yeah it's been a few minutes since the last round ended.
1: Yeah, makes
0: sense. and and realistically it makes you more aware of the time too Uh, And if you're more aware of the time, then you're going to be more inclined to make sure that things happen and things get done uh, at the proper time. So clocks really just help everybody out.
1: Yeah. All right. So a big question you'll be asking before the event. And I know listeners are like, are we ever going to get to the event? But I think uh, a big takeaway here is is how much prep you should probably do before the event. Uh, The event is the easy part (laughs) when you're a head judge, in my opinion. Everything else is is the hard part is done before the event. So are you going to have a second judge? Do you need a second judge? And once again, this kind of goes along the compensation model uh, talk because you are – you basically are asking for more compensation, right? You're asking for someone else to be able to come help you out. Yeah. Uh, or sometimes they have a store employee.
0: Right. So what do you guys – what do you guys think is a good number for a second judge? Like yeah. how many players – how many players kicks you into a second judge is a good idea versus a
1: a luxury? So the the yeah the point I was gonna make is this is similar to compensation. This is gonna vary for people, and it's yep. my opinion that at twenty-something players, I want a second judge, and and people are gonna be like, oh, you can't handle a twenty-something player event. I can handle a twenty-something player. I can handle a fifty-something player event. I've done it multiple times. That's not the point. I just like having that second judge so that you can uh, be more efficient with your deck checks. You can make sure you have better floor coverage. You can make sure. Um, that someone can actually take a break. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I like to have that there, but I, I understand that's probably a little bit of a luxury, but I, I also think it... Well, it,
2: it might be, but frankly, maxing out, maxing out your capabilities as a judge to whatever that extent happens to be for you uh, is actually bad for, for other judges and your own development as a mentor, but other judges' development as, as judges and getting experience. If I'm maxing out my ability every time I run a event... Nobody else is getting a chance to learn anything from that event.
0: Right. Yeah. My, my, my line is, uh, or at the point where I, I start encouraging the TO, like if the TO is willing to, to do another judge at, at 25, 25 players. And I'm like, you know, thumbs up. Yes, sh- let's do it. Uh, for, for me personally, I put the break point when I go, from, when we go from five rounds to six rounds. Um, so, so, you know, the event just got an hour longer. Um, it's, it's getting into the point where, where yes, whoever that judge is, and this is, I'll, I'll advise TOs, even if I'm not working them, it's like that, that's the, that's the point, at least in my mind where you're adding an extra hour to the event. You, you have uh, more players, you have more potential for things to go wrong. You want an extra set of, of hands, uh, to be able to do deck checks and answer questions and stuff like that. Um. So that that's that's the limit now. If the TO is willing to, and you can sell them on the benefits of having a, a another judge, uh, as as Jess was talking about, like growing growing the uh, growing uh, other judges, like helping teach them, that's more L twos or more judges that are capable of doing PPTQs in the future, which means the TO is going to have more available options. Uh, for dates when they schedule their PPTQs in the future because there's more judges that are available. So that means there's more weekends that can potentially be covered. Yep. So it's a great circle of life.
1: Yep. All right. So a few few last things. Uh, One that I've run into is you need to figure out, does the store close at a time that you need to be aware of? So most hobby stores, you know, like an actual card store, this isn't a problem, right? They can stay open. As late as you as they need to, but some places I've been, they they don't their their play space is not in where their store is. So I like for example, I had one that was in a mall. Um, it, they had to close when the mall closed. They didn't have any control over that. Uh, another one I had was at uh, I think this is a local place. I don't think it's like a franchise, but Hobby Town USA, which is it's a store and they have a big card game area, and, you know, and they have a big play space for that. But in the end, it's a store that sells a lot of different things. And they the store closes, and the store doesn't want people there late, so you know there's a realistic time you need to be aware of
0: uh and even even to to tack onto that we haven't talked about this is finding out what time the event is uh just because it tied to you wanna know when you're gonna leave, yep, okay. Yeah. Is yep. is really like if a, if a to tells you there's there's been tos that I've talked to where they're like hey can you work this GPT this was you know like a year year and a half ago I'm mean, like yeah I'm available that day what time does the event start and they're like seven p.m. and huh. um, uh, no yeah right pa- pass <laughs> you know <laughs> nah
1: yeah so. That kind of falls into the uh, how, er, how early do you need to show up, but we didn't we didn't dive too deep into that because we also didn't talk about if it's a sealed event you want to show up earlier or did you you said that actually I,
0: I mentioned like maybe like never, a half hour never mind.
1: Um So how early if it is a constructed event how early do you guys think someone should show up because we didn't dive too deep into that.
0: Well, that would be if the uh, the the before round one stuff, right? That's the I would think that that would be in the next. All right, we'll wait there then.
1: Um, and then so to talk about what you just talked about, it is my opinion people in general prefer a 10 a.m. start time and now there can be a lot of factors that change that right like if the event is far away from your major hub where people live mm-hmm. so yeah big example here is in georgia is athens georgia is what a couple hours a couple hours outside of atlanta but it pulls a lot of players from atlanta so they usually start an hour later at like 11 but um in general, like we, we've done polls in, in our local magic player groups and in general people prefer 10 o'clock so yeah,
2: 10 o'clock. Um, I would say that the attendance numbers at events <laughs> indicate that on Saturdays people prefer 10 a.m. events and on Sundays
1: people prefer 11 a.m. events. That's interesting I've never I've never done like a breakdown like yeah
2: um, I, I don't know why that. that is, but uh, my, my experience in it has, has been that if you schedule Sunday events at 10 a.m people don't want to come out for them and if you schedule them at 11. They, they lethargically wander into your store too to
0: yeah. put magic and de- definitely one, one of the things that that i think you should consider as far as like start like what's an acceptable start time or acceptable start time is i i really think and this is just philosophical i think the top eight like people who don't make top eight should be able to leave the event and have their evening yep. you know that's that's kind of one of the things was like Hey, I didn't make a, you know. I played in the last round. I didn't make top eight. Let's go get dinner. It's you know five six o'clock. Or let's I'm gonna go home and go change and then go out and still be able to go catch a movie or something like that. Um, so you know if you're if you're planning like a seven round event, you know you think you're gonna have the 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 sixty some odd players. Uh, well, think about think about when you're you know, when you, you are going to be starting the top eight and when you want to be closing the store and like work backwards and you're the start of your event really shouldn't be much later than that.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Uh, and then this may also run into other considerations. Like I was talking about with the closing times, you know, so once again, one of these events was in a mall. So my start time could only be after the mall opened. So, but you just need to find out, you need to work with the TO with that. Uh, I found most TOs are willing really to work with you, you know, um some people, cause let's put it this way. If you're working with a TO and you haven't worked with them before and they want to start a PBTQ at two, a sealed PBTQ at two, they may not just understand, you know, they may just yeah. they understand why that would, why people would not like that.
2: Right. Yeah. And if you just take the time to politely and diplomatically explain, let me tell you what will happen in this event and where we'll end up being this many hours down the line. Yeah. And uh, this is, oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say I was, was going to point out that 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 polite and tactful part is very important because it's easy when you see when you T.O. is something that you perceive as dumb to just kind of laugh at them or get in their face about it.
1: Yeah, the, right. The T.O. They, is not necessarily an expert in how magic tournaments are run. That's why they're hiring you.
0: Exactly. Right. And that's your opportunity to provide the value um, that makes you worth the compensation that you're asking for. Is, yep. in, fact,
2: in fact, if you, if you, if you can tell a TO, Hey, you're going to get to go home three hours early if you listen to me, because you, you don't want to start your event at this time, you've probably already made your value. <laughs>
0: right. Yeah, so like a, con- a conversation I had with a, with a T, it's like you realize that if we if we start like uh like the the GPT that that started that wanted that they were thinking about starting at like seven or eight o'clock, it's like you do realize that this means that your store is potentially going to be open until one or two in the morning. Are you prepared to pay your store employees to be there that late? And he, he thought about it and he was like. No, I'm not. And I was like, okay, well then you just, you know, you just saved, you know, overhead, lighting, you know, uh, labor, all sorts of, all sorts of things just with a a brief conversation. Yep. So you can, you can, you can find ways to save the TO money to make, make your, your compensation worthwhile to them.
1: All right. And one last point, if you listen to our head judge announcements episode you will know that you should be practicing your announcements if you're still new at it. I'm not going to go too deep into head judge announcements. We'll mention it again later, but there will be a link in the show notes to the episode where we go in super depth for them. So map out all your puns before you get to the event. I do. I have a file that says bad jokes, and then I pull one out. Are you serious? Yeah. (laughs) You're my hero. I'll I'll pull one out right now. Okay. (laughs) So... But let's let's move into all right. The big day is here. You're gonna do your PPTQ. You've done all this prep. You're 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 ready. You're pumped. Um, is this a joke?
2: I thought he was going into a joke too. No, I he know. Was, I thought he was it
1: takes going me to time joke. to look it up. I'm not gonna make everyone just sit here and wait.
0: <laughs> if we hadn't said anything, we could have gone like a whole another twenty minutes, and we'd be like, "Is this is this like a really long, dog <laughs> story? When's when's the payoff gonna
1: be?" All right. What's the best thing about living in Switzerland? Well, the flag's a big plus. That's at the top there. <laughs> um, I like it. <laughs> Why do birds fly south for the winter? Because it's too far to walk.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: What did the llama say when he got kicked off the farm? I'll pack up my bags.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay. All right. I take it back. I don't why is John Avon bad at magic? He draws nothing but lands. Okay, that one's good. I, like I also think you've told the joke on the show before. I think I have, yeah. I've probably told like all of these. Why can't zoo animals play magic? There are too many cheetahs. Zoo, um <laughs> All right, so it's a big day. Step one. Go
0: buy Chick-fil-A and yep. get a chicken biscuit for breakfast.
1: You go get breakfast. Not all the world is blessed with Chick-fil-A, but you eat breakfast. That is so important. Uh, if,
0: if Chick-fil-A uh, chicken biscuits are available, uh, rec- I highly recommend them. Uh, Bojangles chicken biscuits are a substitute in a pinch.
1: And anything else is an inferior choice. I'm a big proponent of Quick Trip breakfast burritos, but not a lot of places have Quick Trip, and I'm sad for them. All right, so you're going to eat breakfast, and then we can talk about, so how early do you show up? That depends. It's like, I think... That's another thing you want to talk to the TO about. That's another
2: thing you want to figure out ahead of time. Yep. There, there, are, there are places where I can walk in that, that I know are going to be prepped, and I've talked to them and figured it out. I know that if I walk in 10 minutes before the event, nothing will suffer. Yep. But there are also places where I'm certain I need to walk in at least an hour before the event. Yep.
1: And that's basically, I mean, you kind of just nailed it, honestly. If, if it's someone I've never worked with before, even if other judges tell me, you know, hey, yeah, they're super prepared, they got their act together. I'm going to show up an hour early just just to be sure. I mean, worst case, I sit on my phone for a little bit. But um.
0: and the odds are uh, there, there's going to be players already there. I mean, most most stores, they start doing registration uh, an hour before the event or maybe an hour and a half. Yeah. So so there could there could very well be, um, uh, uh, you know, stuff to do. Uh, when you show up an hour in, players asking about their sleeves, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, well, we'll talk um, about some of that stuff you can do too.
0: Yeah. So. Uh, oh. Oh. Uh, one. Th- one thing before before we get in that that you when you say uh, uh, have a scorekeeper, if you that you should talk about before you get to the event, if you are going to be the scorekeeper, you know, have a conversation about how you're going to be fed the DCI numbers for the event. Like is the TO going – do they have like an online registration system? Are they going to be giving you a list? That kind of, that kind of thing okay. because that also helps inform your decision of when you need to show up. Like if they just have a – if they have it in like a Google Doc or something like that where you can just sit there and copy. Um, but if, you, if you've if you got like – if they're taking signups on a sheet of paper where 40 percent of the players aren't putting in their DCI numbers, then you're probably going to need to show up a little bit early so that you can slog through that.
1: Yeah, just to follow up on the point Brian's making is is a lot of times what will happen is people will pay at a register and they'll fill something out, maybe a sheet of paper or something like that, and then that stuff gets entered into DCI. So you got to figure out what is that connection because generally they don't want you taking money. And I you're
0: just showing your age. You said DCI, DCIR, said or
1: no, I said DCI number.
0: Oh, I thought you said filling it in, filling it into. OK, sorry. I thought you were talking <laughs> about entering it in the tool.
1: Because i misunderstood. In truth, I've only really worked with were. So I don't know. I'm not not that old. Oh, you and I have judged, been judged the same amount of time. You Have you worked deeply with DCIR? I mean, yeah. I'm aware of it. But when I started yeah. scorekeeping, it was all were Yeah, I didn't use were and for like a year and a half into judging. Hmm. I guess I just didn't scorekeep until a year and a half into judging.
0: Well, no, I just mostly did like PPT. am uh, sorry, PTQs and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I guess I had someone to oh. score keep. All right. So one of the big things I always want to do before round one is make sure the printer works. Make sure you can actually print something. Uh,
2: yeah, this is especially true if it's not
1: a system that's
2: been set up in a store that's used all the time.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I sometimes I forget to do this, and then it's, I'm going to print round one. and Or, sorry, I'm going to print the player meeting even, actually. And... Yeah, you know, something happens and and it's it's 10.01.
0: It's 10.01 and you hit print and nothing.
1: So if you want my suggestion on what to print, you can't always do this. But if you can, you could go ahead and print what the price payout is going to be for the day. You can't print out like round information or anything like that because you don't know that yet. But you could, you know, it depends on the event because sometimes TOs do the price based on attendance. But if they don't, then that's usually my first test thing is to print the prize payout. Because some TOs I work with, they've already advertised the prize payout. So you you know what it is.
2: Yep. Some TOs will expect you to come up with the prize payout.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's Uh, always been interesting. Have have
0: you guys, have you guys run into the issue where the printer is set up to be the receipt machine, the receipt printer. So when you print the, like you print, uh, seedings for the player meeting, the, the, it comes off on receipt paper.
1: I can't say that I've ever had that.
0: I, I, I've, Printed a few L two tests that way. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and I've and I've printed seatings uh, uh, for the player meeting that way. And I was like, oh, oh, oh. How do I make it stop? <laughs> All
1: right. Since we're talking about the printer, let's talk about. You want to think about where your pairing's going to go. <clears throat> um, you know what I normally ask is if there's been events here before. I say, where do you normally put them? Because, yep. You know, probably half the players are going to be fairly regular, and I just want to keep doing whatever they're doing. Uh, if, you know, if they don't, if they're just like, well, wherever, then you just want to avoid uh, places where there's a lot of traffic, a lot of coming and going. Uh, you know, you don't want to post them on the front door, right? Because people are going in and out, smoking, whatever. But you can post them near the front door. Uh, you don't you, you just kind of want to be cognizant of, OK, if a bunch of people group up here, what is that going to block?
0: Yeah. And and a lot of stores normally have like a bulletin board of upcoming events mm-hmm. that is in a fairly open area that people can walk up to it that that right there should be one of the first things you look to see if it exists in the store because that'll give you a good indicator or that that is probably an area that is that is clear and has good uh footpath uh, uh, good foot traffic
2: yeah one of the things you want to be careful of with situations like that is an area with good foot traffic you don't want to congest too much um if you have something where people who are not your Magic players might need to be regularly, you don't want to create a situation where Magic players are just going to hang out there waiting for the next set of pairings.
0: Yeah. Oh, you mean your 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 D and D your D and D table uh, setting the pairings board right next to there. Yes. So something. So yeah, every I've every had situations
2: like that occur where a TO was like, "Oh, we're just going to use this table and post pairings here," and come to find out. Four hours from now, there's a Warhammer event scheduled at that table.
1: Yeah. All right. So you want to think about table numbers. Do you have them? Can you make them? I would recommend having them one way or the other. And even (laughs) if that means you just take some index cards, fold them over, and write the table numbers on them. But generally, any any WPN store should have table numbers provided by Wizards. I believe that's where they get them. So you want to make sure that you have those and they're set out. You know, just take a best guess as to how many players you have. Add Ten and set them out. Go yeah. ahead and get that done. Results. Yeah, oh, go ahead. I
0: was, was going to say norm, normally. How how big is the how big is the PPTQ going to be? Yeah, how big was the last one? Yeah. Um. Uh, within within ten percent of that
1: usually but not always yeah
0: right i mean you can do, but it it really sets up like if this if this store has done two pptqs and they've never broken 25 players then you don't need to necessarily set the room for 40 to 45 right you know uh if it's if it's their first event though you know you know maybe maybe plan plan you know hope mm-hmm. for hope for a lot of players showing up
2: yeah uh, and, and you know this is a hard one because this comes from, kind of from experience but like how much deviation you need to plan for ahead of time also comes from how much bandwidth you know you're going to have to deal with that when it comes up. If you are by yourself and have to enter all of the registrants yourself, you may not have time to set up all those table numbers at the last second. So, prepping a little more ahead of time might make sense there.
1: Yeah. Yep. All right. Are there any issues with the layout that you can fix now? You know, usually the TO set up the room in some way, uh, but. Maybe they, you know, maybe you're just like, oh, once the player's in this spot, I'm not going to be able to sit, you know, I'm not going to be able to squeeze between these two tables. You know, is there anything you can do now? Um, Sometimes you can't, but sometimes you can, you know, are, are we in a situation where we can maybe have fewer players per table just to make the players a little bit more comfortable? Just think about it before you number preferably, but we don't always have that luxury.
0: Yep. Uh, you can talk, you know, talk to the TO, keep, keep informed with the TO, uh, uh, let them know if you have any needs, see if they have anything that, that, that you need. Most of the TOs that I work with have been, have been very, very accommodating, especially like the first time they're, you know, um, for lack of a better word, they're, they're, they're aware that, that you're coming in as the expert and they're kind of maybe uh, a novice at, at this. So they're, they're very, very, you know are we doing everything right? Do we need more of this? Do we need more of that? Those kind of things. So, so the, you know, be sure to talk with the TO, make, make them, you know, ask them questions, tell them, tell them what you need, make sure that they need, and basically uh, make them feel comfortable with their choice of picking you uh, as their, right, as yeah. their head
2: judge. That, that comfort is super important because even though you're the expert here in this situation and they probably know that, they're handing their business to you to handle for the day basically right
0: and, and they that can make them nervous if they've never done it before right you you want them you want them to feel good enough about you running their event that they're going to ask you back an, another time we talk about like every event you work is an audition for your next event and you know talking to the TO and getting getting their opinion on things and getting feedback from them and giving them feedback is all part of of building your reputation and uh, as, as someone that is able to get things done and put on a good event.
1: Yep. All right. Uh, If it's a sealed event, this is, uh, it gets a little (laughs) iffy, but you, you want to prep at least a little bit of the product. And what I mean by that is you have, uh, well, you know, you want to make sure you have your deck lists. Uh, Actually, that's another thing you may need to do before round one is make sure you have deck lists printed out, uh, both for construction and sealed. Yeah. This is an easy one to forget right there. It is. But generally, someone will ask at least, you know. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, you do want to normally have that where the registration is so people can just take it right then and be filling it out while registration is happening. But yeah, if it's sealed, you might want to prep a little bit of the product. Uh, So prepping the product, I mean, you just kind of set it into piles of six, maybe rubber band it together. Maybe you do that fancy thing where you put it all in the box weird, but I can't really describe that over a podcast. Um, But this is also a little bit... You know, so Tio might not want you to open all of their sealed product either. Right if 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 you open if you open enough
0: product for fifty players and they only get twenty, well, yeah. you just opened a lot of boxes and turned boxes into loose packs, is what you did. Right. <clears throat> so uh, don't do that.
1: Yeah, so you want to be a little careful there. Uh, you can discuss with the TO about pre-registering a couple of sealed events for late entries but that's that's even worse right than what I was talking about before because if you're turning packs into to singles. singles yeah yeah so you might not want to do it, but you might want to yeah, have the discussion.
0: I think that was, that was a thing uh, like pre-registering, pre-registering a few pools. That was more of a thing with PTQs yeah. when you, cause you'd have like 150 to 200 players, you're going to have one or two guys show up late. But if you're only working like a 20, 20, 25 person event, uh, the odds of someone coming in late are, are, are a lot smaller. Right. Yeah, I,
1: I don't do this anymore. I'm just putting it out as an option. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I think we're ready for the player meeting. Yay, player meeting. All right. So to do the player meeting, uh, and this is not, I don't think we'll ever have a true were podcast just because it's so difficult to describe. But if it's a constructed event, you want to print an alphabetical seating. And once again, do you have to do this these days? No, that's kind of left over from the PTQ days, but it helps you get the deck list in order because when you collect the deck list, everyone's already sitting alphabetically, so your deck list is already in order.
0: Yeah, yeah, just start with table 1, go down the list and voila, all your lists are in order.
1: Yeah. But you don't have to. There's no reason no. not to.
0: Well, if uh, you got if you got 20 people, uh, you should be able to
1: alphabetize 20 lists. Sure. But if you're going to sit them down for the for the yeah. uh this anyway why not well right
0: I'm, I'm saying if you if
1: you don't
0: for whatever reason or you seat them maybe randomly for some reason uh sorting those lists isn't uh, manually isn't the end of the world yeah i gotcha
1: so if it is sealed <clears throat> you do seat them randomly and that's because you
0: what?
1: got to do the sealed deck swap which we'll get to in just a minute yeah and that's a this is a thing that a lot of people will miss right off the bat
2: because even though because the only place you're going to find a reference to them being seated randomly is in the was to the ghost announcement about this new deck swap. It doesn't actually say this in the MTR, but you should see them randomly. Yep.
0: And and the 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 reason the reason why is because with the deck swap, you don't want players to know who they are going to be potentially sitting across from uh, going into the event. Exactly.
2: And more importantly, you don't want the perception that players could know. Right. Um, you know, it, it doesn't matter whether. You know, the those two brothers with the last name sit next to each other all the time, and you're certain they're not going to cheat. What matters is that, you know, there are a bunch of players in the room that may not be certain of that and think that that could happen.
0: Yeah. Right. And will think it happens if one of them happens to get a busted pool.
2: Exactly.
1: Yep. <clears throat> all right. So during the player meeting is when I normally do most of my head judge announcements, which, like I said, there's another podcast for that. But you're just given the basic information— uh, number of ra- Well, actually, I usually wait for number of rounds and, um, number of players, but how long are the rounds? Where's the bathroom? You know, yeah. Maybe anything the TO <clears> might want you to announce, anything like that. So if it's constructed, I would generally give them a minute to check over their deck list during the player meeting. Uh, I, you know, say make sure you'll, you have 60 cards in your library in your, uh, at least 60 cards, excuse me, in your main deck and no more than 15 cards in your sideboard, et cetera, et cetera. Um, i i think this helps a lot like since i've started doing it i feel like i've gotten fewer deck deck list problems or maybe i'm just making that up um, <laughs> i th- i think it, it could
2: just be that it, it probably' look
1: more i guess i don't know mm, yeah uh so i mean i'm, just, I'm talking literally a minute
0: yes yeah, to give him a minute to go over the list
1: yeah so all right who wants to cover the sealed swap because i'll admit uh, i'm not an expert on it i've never What's actually done it no, no, I we talked about it here. So
0: okay, uh, I'll I'll tackle this. So so the seal the sealed swap is first first off. Um, so you want to you kind of change up your your head judge announcements a little bit uh, because the players are really excited to get the packs, and you definitely when when they get the packs they kind of stop listening. So mm-hmm. you want to you want to. What what I normally do is I break the information up in into chunks. I'm going to give a little bit of the information uh, before I pass out the packs. I'm going to give a little bit more information, um, you know, before we start re- uh, registering the pools, and then I'll save some of the information for round one. Whereas in a constructed event, uh, I'll give the whole, uh, uh, head judge announcements at the beginning. And this is a stylistic thing. Uh, there are different ways of doing it. This is just the way that I found, uh, I like telling the players exactly what's going to happen next. And then we do that thing. And then I tell them exactly what's going to happen next. Again, mm-hmm. um, I had, I had one P T Q like a year or two ago where at the end of, of deck construction, the time for, uh, uh, Deck construction. I had a full one third of a hundred and fifty person event uh, not done registering their pools, or not done, not done uh, 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 registering their deck. And obviously, I'm not going to give a tardiness penalty, game loss penalty to a third of my event going into round one. So since then, I've I've adopted adopted things and I haven't something. had any problems. I I have. I've gone soft in my in my old age. Um, So uh, what what you want to do is the way it generally the way it works is um, half of half of the players are going to open their open their packs while the person across from them watches. And the way I normally do this is I uh, the way the tables are laid out. You're going to have people facing the left of the store and the, the people facing the right of the store or the front and the back, whatever I just make sure, Okay, everyone who's facing the front of the store, you're going to open your packs. You're going to let the other person see. Uh, Don't start building your deck or sorting the colors or anything like that. You're basically just opening the packs to show what's going on. And then the other people are going to do that. So I have them do that. And then I have the people facing the back of the store do that as well. Uh, You invariably get somebody, well, what if you have an odd number of players um, just make like a little triangle. Have like one person watch watch both players, that kind of thing. Uh, then, after both players on both sides of the table have opened their packs, you're going to do uh, a swap for registration purposes. So I give you my stack of cards. CJ gives me his stack of cards, and then we register the pools with the deck in front of us. Um, <clears throat> so if this is a sealed event, uh, you should have passed out deck lists when you passed out the product, uh, get a store employee to help you if you can. Um, so, so CJ hands me his stuff. I hand CJ my stuff. If Jess is in the mix, like we're at the end of a table and there's three of us, the important thing here is that we're not registering our own pool. So if everybody just, if we just form a triangle and just shift left, that's fine. Yep. yep.
2: I like to tell people in that triangle, either clockwise or counterclockwise. I'll pick one. I'll be like pass clockwise and then pass it back counterclockwise.
0: Right. And, and make sure, make sure they know, because if you start explaining this past stuff and you haven't like pre talked to them, uh, yeah. player, they might get confused. Like what, what they might panic. Um, it'll be a mild panic, but still it's like, uh, what, what the person who's not sitting across from anybody, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Hmm. Um, so you then give them the amount of time to register the pool. Uh, advise them to sort the cards first. This makes this probably saves everybody about five minutes if you just sort the cards before you register the pool. Um, have them put their name on it. Uh, once that's done, you have them pass back. So they have uh, 20 minutes to register. Um, go around and make sure that uh, everyone is is. Proceeding along, uh, it's it is an unfortunate reality that there are a a fair number of people that while they recognize card uh, card names and they know what cards do, they might actually have trouble uh, reading the cards. Right. Uh, So you do reading the card names. So you do kind of want to. Quietly, non-obtrusively, go around the room and see if anyone's actually struggling and having problems, and then help that person out. Um, then, after the, the twenty minutes is over, they're going to pass back, and they have they have uh, the the necessary time to register their register their decks. Uh, someone's always going to ask, "What do they do with foil lands?" Because the decks that that get printed out, they have a they have boxes where you can mark. Uh, the number of lands that are in your deck, but they don't actually have a place for you to mark foil lands. So just make an announcement on what to do. Normally I advise people to just put like one F uh, after the, the word forest, you know, for one foil forest, as long as you're consistent, that's fine. Uh, They build their lists, make sure they hand you their lists when they're done. And uh, you basically just walk around the room and fix little errors and mistakes that people made in putting little marks in boxes, um, yep. and then and then at the end of at the end of those those 30 minutes you should have all the deck lists you should be able to post pairings for round 1 which is the next thing that we're going to talk about unless anybody has any nope
2: Nope. we have we have really
1: beaten pre-event
2: stuff into the ground i think in a good yeah. way
1: uh and what's funny is how little we're going to talk about the actual event <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> true. You're, done. you're you're good you're good to go so right. you've
0: you've, the prep you've, done, you've
1: done of the mental
0: work already. Yeah. All
1: right. So in round one, uh, at the start of round one, maybe there's a few announcements that you saved, like the numbers of rounds of players. I I usually save that just because I I try to trim my head judge announcements down, get them, get as much in as I can in as little time as possible. So, um, also number of rounds and players isn't that important because it doesn't matter how many times you tell everyone, they will never remember it. Oh, well, if you can get a deck check in, in round one, do it. (laughs) And yes. it's worth noting for the old timers that we're not really worried about counting lists anymore. Well,
0: let's 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 clarify what what counting because counting is ambiguous. OK. Um, If you have 25 players, you want to count and make sure that you have 25 lists.
1: OK. Yeah. Great point.
0: Uh, you want to do that during round one, because if you're missing a list, you need that list.
1: Yeah. But we're not sitting down and <clears throat> counting. You know, do you have 60 cards in your main deck? Do you have 15 cards in your sideboard? Right did you write down a Johnny and there's two of Johnny's legal in the format.
0: Right. And, and the reason, the, the reason why that would change, especially at the large events is because there was a concern. We were spending a whole lot of time and a whole lot of judges and just a, a whole lot of, 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 manpower counting and verifying those lists. And the majority of the errors were, were clerical and we were spending a lot of people and a lot of time on basically catching, you know, st- uh, for lack of a better words like stupid little stupid mistakes and what but what we weren't doing is we weren't doing deck checks around one yep and there was a concern that people had learned that we weren't doing deck checks around one so they might have been taking advantage of that fact so we said you know what nope we're going to do deck checks round one instead. Uh, we're going to have those judges. We're going to have them out on the floor instead, and that and that process has kind of trickled down into the into the uh, uh, <laughs> uh, into into you know opens and uh, uh, the PTQ PPTQ level.
1: Yeah. So no one's going to tell you you're wrong if you start counting lists, but I mean, most of the time when you're counting lists, you're not on the floor. It's a small event. You might be there by yourself. Uh, it's on the floor. Yep. But do that deck check round one. Yep, if you can. I always try to. And so for the rest of the Swiss, so all the other rounds, keep up on those deck checks. So we're shooting for 10% of the field. So if you have 20 players, you need to check two decks, which is one deck check. But if you're like me, you can't. I can't check two decks in a reasonable amount of time. So if I'm judging by myself, I swoop and I take both. But And I maybe sort both, but I don't actually check both um by the way while you're checking if you haven't already counted the list you should count the list of the one you're checking right now just to make sure it is good mm-hmm. uh you want to so a big point i want to make though is these deck checks you do them even if you're alone all right i just talked about how i do them on my own uh first off we're not asking for a lot even a i i i had an unexpected 55 player event i thought it was gonna be 20 right i still got all my deck checks done like because uh, I always hear people say, oh, this event went bigger. I didn't get my deck checks done. I would do the deck checks. And I'm just like, why? Why not? Um, You know, I, I we talk about in the head judge announcements podcast, if you're, if you're head, if you're a head judge on your own in your, in your announcements, say that and say, Hey, you know, if you make a call, mark the time and, and I will get to you as soon as I can, things like that. And yeah, it means it may mean that during a deck check, you either have to just finish up early or you have to uh, keep coming back to it. Obviously, you don't want to pe- leave people's cards unattended, but if it's a close call or something, right? So.
0: Yeah. If if you need to end a deck check early, there's nothing wrong with that.
1: Yeah. Just end it. <laughs> yep. Just end it. So you're done. Uh, yep. Keep keep up on your floor coverage. You know, uh, this, uh, just because these events are kind of easy doesn't mean you should just be kind of sitting in the judge area every round, waiting for something to happen.
2: Right. Uh, no, you should be out on the floor watching for something to happen.
1: Yeah. yeah. The, the way, the
0: way um, bank tellers learn to detect counterfeit bills is because they handle the real thing. A lot, so that when they're they're doing it, then something strikes them as as wrong or incorrect, and then they go pull out the tools that they've got to detect to see if that's a counterfeit bill. Watching magic is a lot of the same way. It's it's you learn to detect when things don't seem right because you watch and you observe when things when things are going correctly. So you're 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 training your spidey sense in watching magic. You know when you go up to a match, check life totals. Does do the two players do their life totals match? Um, you know uh, uh, does one of them try and figure out if one of them can win in a few turns? You know just try and try and watch how they're they're playing and reacting and how they're communicating that kind of thing. You should constantly be you know observing how players are
1: playing. Uh, around round two, and this is something you just (coughs) want to talk to Tio about, but the Tio might want you to announce side events. If, if the Tio is running a draft or something, usually they'll want you to announce something. So just, just check in with them once again, show the value you're adding to the event. Yeah. Um, you also want to ask who's running the side events. Usually they have a judge there, but if they don't, you know, you probably want to, I would, I would try to organize something where if we can get a store employee to fire the event, I can judge it. You know what I mean? I, I think that's fine with me, but firing them, yeah it's gonna be difficult when you're trying to run your own event
0: right and that's a that's an expectation thing like like you if it's the middle of round four and you're firing a draft sure go for it fire that draft if they want you to fire that draft while you're turning over round four yeah uh, they're gonna need to wait yep, exactly uh but yeah speaking speaking of turning over rounds um so this is this is one of the areas where you can really save a lot of time uh, probably over the course of a uh, of an event, just paying attention to the the round turnover can can maybe save you twenty minutes to half an hour, and that yeah. means you get to, you get to you get to leave and go get your steak dinner a half an hour early. <laughs> um, we already
2: kind of mentioned that a little bit
0: with the clock. Um,
2: just just being aware of how much time you're spending in, in between your rounds is huge. Uh, I think a lot of judges are surprised when they start paying attention to it. Um, and how much time they're they're they have in that section and how much you cut
0: down yeah because if you if you spend if you get the last slip in and then you spend a minute or two minutes talking to the to or talking to a player or something like that um and you do that every round over the course of of five rounds ten uh, not ten rounds but five six rounds i mean well that that could be 10 15 that could add up to 10 15 minutes um especially if if you you know if you're if you've got some other things going on um you you definitely want to make sure that you're aware of extensions um there you do have situations where in some of these events where a players might have a a a um, either they didn't hear you call time and they started playing or they've got a four minute extension and you don't have a clock that counts up or anything like that, so they're like, "How far into our four minute extension are we?" And you're like, "I don't know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, a minute." You know, and you just you're just kind of making things up at that point. So you want to be aware of your extensions. You wanna you want to be aware. You want to go out and get the match slips and pull them in and kind of do an audit of, uh, "I've got three tables that are outstanding and I've got uh, or delinquent." Uh, so I'm missing slips for three tables. I have three matches still playing great. That lines up. If you have four matches that, uh, you don't have slips for and only three are playing. Well, then you got to go find what that fourth slip is. Mm-hmm. Cause that's going to, that's going to be your, your, your problem child. Uh, if those three slips uh, do come in right now. Um, <clears throat> all right. So yeah. So just repeat that for four rounds, five rounds, six rounds, yep uh oh uh, one suggestion um if the to is buying you lunch as part of your event um you want to consider that it is probably going to take an hour for you to get that order give it to the to and then for for them to get it and deliver it yeah so if you are hoping to eat in round two or round three uh and you decide to give them your order in round two or round three uh you're gonna be hungry so, yep. So, try and do that. Try and do that uh, as early as possible.
1: Uh, so, top eight? Top eight. I'm ready. My favorite part.
0: This is your favorite part? Yeah.
1: I love top eight. Okay. All right. So, you got your top eight players. Um, uh, you know, going in, going into the top eight, you want to make a little bit of showmanship, um, of, of announcing the top eight. And, You know, so I always I always say, okay, you know, I I always just make an announcement right Uh, before before I actually post the top eight and start calling people up. One thing that was not immediately obvious to me when I first got started judging and (coughs) I screwed this up at a recent SCG event, I was a judge of uh, just not thinking Um, you want to announce first place first because people generally know who's in first place already. It's eighth place that can generally be a, you know, kind of a wild card. So just read off the top to bottom. All right.
0: And, and normally give them like a few minutes. Uh, one of the things I do is I post, I, I announce the top eight and then I post the standings and give them a minute or two or three to contest results. Mm-hmm. Uh, because w- the last thing you want to do is start the top eight. And then a guy comes up and is like, Hey, I was in ninth, but I should be in, you know, in sixth place. Uh, and then you go look at the the math and sure enough you entered the result in wrong.
1: Yep. Uh you know something we didn't mention in the last two rounds you want to post standings. <clears throat> and that's kind of a leftover from PTQs also, but uh that that can help prevent that kind of stuff too. Yep. And what and what I do is I just post standings and pairings at the same time. There's not that many people. They'll they'll be able to look and, and get it done. Yep. Alright. So if it's constructed. You're going to seat the players down. Um, first is going to be playing eighth place. Second is going to be playing seventh place. Third will be playing fifth place, sixth place. And fourth and fifth will be playing each other. Um, I always kind of keep a little cheat sheet print out from the MTR about who exactly is going to play who from the winners of each of those. Um, that's just for me. But that's how you're going to want to seat them. Uh, if it's a draft, you seat them randomly, and then they're going to play whoever's seated across the table from them, it, assuming they're sitting in a circle um otherwise if you were to number the seats one through eight uh and you seat someone randomly at seat one so it's not first place necessarily going to sit there uh they will they will play whoever's at seat five and when you do this some player is going to tell you that this isn't right and this isn't how this is supposed to happen and they might go complain on reddit about it but it's 100 percent right that is exactly (laughs) how that works
2: the reason is actually important to bring up here i think um so if uh if we Wind it out the same way we do for constructed events where first plays eighth to begin with, um, and so on. Then we would end up in a situation where, in order to make that work in the draft seating, people would already know where they were going to be seated in the draft, and that would lead to situations where we have collusion and people decide ahead of time how they're going to draft. Yeah. So we avoid that by making it red. Yep.
1: Yep. Makes sense. Uh, and don't now, forget. Oh, go ahead, Ryan.
0: No, what, what I was going to say is so. And this is uh, this is the way I do it in in were. where might have an actual button to do this. But if it is, uh, I haven't gone to look for it and I haven't found it. Um, but the way I normally do it is uh, I just pair them randomly uh, for the top eight, uh, you know, using that option within were, And then I work backwards to create the seating for the oh, draft. That makes sense. Okay, the other way you could do it is you seat them randomly and then you just m- m- you know manipulate the uh, uh, the matches to to that it generates randomly to match that but i I don't like doing that. I just I feel I feel that that's kind of icky. Is, is getting in the habit of, 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 manipulating the matches. Yeah. Um, even though it's, it's random as random as random, but yeah, what I do is I, I, I print it off. And so this, that tells me, you know, who's going, you know, these two people are going to be playing each other. So I'm going to put them in, you know, uh, in the, in the seats where they're across from each other in the circle. So it, it works. It works basically the same way as like a normal draft at, at your F and M. If you just line them up in a rectangular table, uh, and draw lines to the to the players it's big x and little x Mm -hmm. is is kind of the the way it sets up if you've got two lines of four it's kind of hard to imagine on a podcast if you're if you're driving you're at your workplace or something like that but if you just have two lines of four and you connect the opposite corners you're going to have a big x where the outer corners are across from each other and then a little x which is on the inside and those players are going to be the ones that are playing against each other uh in round one yep
1: Top eights your your big opportunity. Oh, so one thing, don't forget, uh, I mean this has kind of become the rule now, but the higher seed always gets to choose to play or draw. And that's in this it doesn't matter how you seat them. Um, you know, it doesn't matter if it's a draft or constructed. Whoever has the highest uh, the highest place with the final standings, they get to choose to play or draw.
0: So first and second first and second coming out of Swiss might be playing each other in the first round of the uh, the top eight.
1: Exactly. Well, Yep. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Second place. Sorry, second place. Unlimited. Should have gotten Inlimited, first. Yes. Yep. Um, so this is a prime opportunity to sit down if you can watch some magic. Uh, maybe in the semifinals you have to hover around a little bit, but in the quarterfinals I mean, there should only be four matches or two matches out, so you can probably sit down and watch them. Yeah. Uh,
0: you you want to make sure? Sorry for the for the draft. Um, b- before we get into actually seeing them, uh, things things to be concerned about. Uh, you want to obviously watch for peaking. Um, you want to make sure that you're you're probably going to do zone draft, but you really really want to be paying attention to who's passing and making sure that the the that, that people aren't messing things up. So you want to be watching that very very intently. Yeah. Uh, you may want to shoo spectators away from the area. Mm-hmm. Um, get the You get probably
2: don't actually want to call the draft there are a lot of people that that want you to call the draft or there are a lot of judges that want to take this opportunity to flex those muscles and and, and call this draft but called drafts the function of called drafts is to keep everybody on the same page when you have lots of pods of drafters mm-hmm. and it, it won't accomplish that goal here uh, what what it'll eventually do is just kind of make you unable to actually watch the players draft very easily because you're paying attention to your clock and your script. Um, And it it doesn't, it's not really particularly helpful unless you believe either a, that that for some reason they're going to go super slow if you don't call it, or B there's a, there's a, a good reason to do it. If the only reason you're doing this event is some kind of prep for a GP or something where these players are likely to, to be in a cold draft and they want the practice. Mm
0: So, so, and then, and then after, after the draft is over and this is one of the things you want to make sure that the players, you send the players over to their own areas where they can build their own, uh, they can build their pools where they're not, they don't have to worry about someone looking over their shoulder and seeing what they, what they drafted and what they're building, that kind of thing. So you want to, you want to try and spread them out a little bit, uh, you know, maybe bring them their basic lands, uh, so that they don't leave their leave their stuff behind or or, or whatever. Uh, how you want to manage that is kind of a, a, a style standpoint at a at a store level. Um, <clears throat> but you do kind of want to protect uh, the inadvertent giving away of what someone is playing. Um, then then you go ahead and seat them, and uh, you seat them uh, based on how they were seated while they were drafting. And then at that point, it kind of becomes the same as a constructed event again, from a, from a top eight standpoint, they've already built the decks. Um, and, and you can go on from there, uh, with both, with both being the
1: same. All right. So I feel (laughs) like during this time, you can be a little bit, I don't know, just more casual with everyone. Um, you know, you're you're dealing with a lot fewer players at this point. Um, I take time to be, yeah, you can maybe make a joke. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I chat. Uh, I ch- I'm, I'm a little chatsy yeah. before while the players are shuffling and stuff yes. like that. Not during the match. I'm not like, oh man, you missed that trigger. <laughs> you
0: or or mean? you, or even just like, hey, you guys, you guys see the? Are you guys excited to go see Rogue One? I hear right. that's going to be a really awesome movie. It's got Darth Vader in, it, and they're like, uh, I'm Wait, really trying to.
1: <laughs> but <I'm> yeah, <laughs> I mean, they're still. This is a, this is a big deal to them. It's just another PPTQ for you, but it's a big deal. You know, a lot of people they practice and practice to make top eight of a PPTQ so that they can make top eight of our PPTQ. Top so top four, whatever. Well, top eight's kind of a big deal. Um, <laughs> it would be for me. I don't know. So don't forget, you know, as people lose, as they get knocked out of the top eight, I uh, thank them for coming out, you know, just a casual, Hey, you know, thanks for coming out. Hope you had fun. Um, if, if there's prize they need to pick up, tell them, you know, what they, yeah. what they need to do to go get the prize. Right.
0: And the TO may even have you, uh, you prize out the players. They might, yep.
1: I really like that
2: the idea of thanking them for coming out as opposed to a congratulations for making whatever place they got. Not that congratulating them is wrong, yeah. But like, they make them feel bad. We're like, oh, you lo- you lost. Well, congratulations.
1: Yeah. So, um, of course, don't forget to congratulate the winner when the event is over. Now, don't forget second place also. You know, give him a thanks, him <laughs> or a thanks as well. But uh, don't forget to. You know, for me, maybe you know, maybe this isn't a point I need to make for everyone, but for me, uh, it's the end of the event. I'm kind of ready to go, so I still need to remember that this person just made a a big ap- accomplishment for them. Yeah,
0: uh, one one thing uh, we're, we're going to talk about even before when we get to the finals, the last the last match. Um, so, generally speaking, one of the things that you need to be aware of throughout the event is the possibility for offering to roll to see who wins, especially in the last the last two rounds of Swiss is where it's it's potentially problematic where you have potential offers of offers of bribery or uh, offers to roll to see who wins. Um, those are obviously very, very serious things that we respond to by uh, disqualifying the person that made the offer and if if I make the offer to Jess and Jess, even if Jess turns me down and doesn't say, you know, it's like, hey, hey, I really want to make top, really want to make top eight. Uh, you know, I'll let you have like half of whatever I win because I really want to go to the RPTQ. Uh, Jess can just can turn me down. However, what he's really responsible for doing is calling a judge and informing me. And if he doesn't, then he's also subject to the same penalties. Uh, that I am, which is a, which is a disqualification. Uh, we really want these people reported. <laughs> um, and so that, that, that applies for, for the event. Now there's an exception, uh, uh in the finals of the single elimination portion of a tournament. In the in the last announced round, that's the wording it's it's phrased in the in the MTR. You are the, the players are allowed to to split the, the prizes any way any way they want. And and what I mean by that I want to clarify is if it's a box to uh, second place, a box to first place, and the RPTQ invite. Then the players are able to say, "Okay, well, let's have second place get the two boxes, and first place gets the invite." And in which case, the uh, one of the players will, you know, they can they can decide that one of the players will drop from the event. Mm-hmm. Actually, okay,
2: you for, for that particular
0: thing. They must decide that one of the two players is dropping from the event. What the if, final round? Well, it, they can it, they can it, they it, can it, play out they can play out and see who gets first and who gets second. But if, if they decide that they're not going to play it out, then one of the players has to drop.
2: Yeah. If they're, if they're going to propose a split that involves one of them getting the invite, the other player must drop.
1: The person getting the invite has to be first is the point. Yeah. Right. If
2: you you can't, it's not a matter of conceding. It's a matter of dropping. That's an important distinction here.
0: Right.
1: No, no, that's not to
0: say that we can't say, okay, uh, uh, winner gets the invite, loser gets the two boxes, let's play. Yep, that's okay. legal too. That's that's perfectly legal. We can also we you can also sit down and say like I want the RPTQ and Jess is like, well, I want the boxes, and it's like, well, how about I get the invite, you get the boxes, and they go, Great. And then uh Jess is, okay, I drop. <coughs> yep. And that's and that's fine as well. That that right there, that is an exception to the rule specifically for uh the, the, the finals. Um uh-huh. And you can't bring anything else in. Yeah. Where it's just like where it's like, uh, you know, I want the 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 RPTQ invite, and let's let's say let's say uh, the prizes is second place gets a box, first place gets the R- R- RPTQ invite only. Okay. And it's like, well, I want the invite. Jess goes. I want the box. And I go, okay. Uh, so, so is that how we're going to do it? And Jess is like, eh, I also want that RPTQ promo that you're going to get as well." Yeah. Uh, well, that's that's a problem now because that's not actually part of this event's prizes. Right. Uh, so that is that is also uh, that's <laughs> that's a that's by that's that's going to be a disqualification as well because that that is not an inv- uh, a part of the event. Now, when you're when you're the head judge of this, you want to be familiar with the bribery rules, have read over them and kind of help guide the players and keep them out of trouble. Because since the restrictions are kind of loosened in the final round, well, you know, I mean, they, they, they might go anywhere. Yep. Okay. So help keep them out of trouble.
1: Cool. So let's, let's wrap this bad boy up. So we got a winner. Someone won. We congratulate him. We thank the the person who did not win. <laughs> so sometimes the TO wants a photo. Just ask, ask ahead of time before the player actually leaves. Dio doesn't, And then there's no big like handout that you give the winner. Obviously, they'll have some kind of prize, but uh, there's not like a blue envelope or anything that explains what they need to do. Um, basically, you entering them as first in the event gives them the invite to the RPTQ. And uh, it looks like they can confirm that at PlanesWalkerPoints.com. Confirm that they won at PlanesWalkerPoints.com.
2: Yeah, and they can they can see the final result of any event they've played in including yeah. a a PBTQ at com, so, and that uh, will that that's uh once that event is uploaded in fact they can see that. So if it's uploaded and then they look at it and go wait that's not right it says somebody else won they should deal with that immediately.
1: Yeah. So to wrap up the event, um if you've made a mess anywhere clean it up. Don't leave that for the TO. If um sometimes the TO wants you to upload the event. So Particularly if you're the scorekeeper, oh, usually yep. I, I do that. Make Thankfully. sure all your
0: penalties are entered.
1: Yep. Thankfully, this isn't the days of PTQs where you had to upload the deck list too. That was awful. I hated that. Uh, so just just upload the event, and that's about it. Make sure to get your comp. I've almost walked out without it. <laughs> and uh, that's basically it. Thanks to To. Yeah. Make sure
0: uh, get any feedback from them. Give any feedback that you might have. Mm-hmm. Uh, most most To's are. Are, are thrilled to get constructive feedback on how that they can improve their business. Oh, yeah. Uh, I say most. And, you know, you, be sure to cheerfully give this advice as opposed to like, okay, so here's what really sucked about today. <laughs> um, also know. make sure
2: it's actually constructive and not just complaining.
0: Yeah, that's, that's, it's, it's one thing. It's one thing to say this sucked. And it's another thing to say something along the lines of, uh, I noticed that. The spacing of the players was really, um, you know, it was really tight. Uh, perhaps we could look into like spreading things out in the future or, you know, they were having a problem getting to the bathroom because we'd put too many players in the back of the room. You know, things, things like that are uh, my favorite piece of constructive advice is um, uh, that I've given a TO is perhaps you might want to invest in chairs with backs to
1: them. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting.
0: Yeah. A bold There's, strategy. Bold, yes, there is a, a bold strategy. Because um, I didn't want to really start as like, and there was also, um, uh, perhaps you want to make sure that you have toilet paper for the restroom next time. That's yes. that's been that's a that, good one. Yes, that was a piece of piece of constructive
1: feedback. Uh, all right, <laughs> I think it's time to wrap this bad boy up. I think that's it. You're done with your event. Go home. Have dinner. Steak dinner. Steak dinner. And then go apparently, home. Apparently, we all eat steak dinners after events. <laughs>
2: Well, yeah. Sometimes you uh, have dinner and then go home if you have the opportunity to work
1: with the staff.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so so that's actually – like out of the, the, the PTQ to PPTQ shift, the thing that I miss the most is the big group of judges going out to dinner after the event. Yeah. So definitely if I have another judge at the event or there's players or something like that, I try and get a group of people to go out to dinner afterwards because really what that does is no matter how the day was – Dinner is gonna make it awesome, <laughs> you know. Um, and uh, also something something to do with the top eight since since we're talking about if you actually have another judge with you. Uh, at this event, if you're fortunate enough to have one of them actually have a conversation, discuss how the day went with them, Mm -hmm. um, so that they can get something out of it. What did they learn? Uh, what do they think? What, what is something that they can do better or that they think that they can do better or next time, uh, get get a good feel because the whole, the whole purpose that they're, they're there is not just to help you, but it's also to learn so that they can do it themselves, you know, in the, in the future.
2: I love how you like actually have a conversation like you would never have a conversation
0: any other time with them. Well, I mean, I mean, when I say have a conversation, I mean like, you know, this is this is this is normally the time. There's there's not a lot of distractions potentially of like other calls and and posting pairings and getting slips out and doing deck checks and stuff like that. This is kind of a time where you can actually maybe sit away from the players, you know, like a table or two, and and have a, and have like a deep
1: reflective conversation over the rest of the day. Sounds good. I personally also give the judge the option to leave early. If it's a, you know, once we get into the quarterfinals and I can handle them myself. Sure. That's what I do. All right. If you want to email us about maybe any hot tips that we missed, you can email us at judgecast.gmail.com or Facebook us, Twitter us, Snapchat us. Are we on Snapchat? No, we're not. Oh, <laughs> still not. Uh, I don't. Tumblr. I don't. I don't know how to use Snapchat. I guess we could face swap. That's all I know. Oh man, Snapchat I can, does. I kind of want to go fix that right now.
0: Yeah. Oh, and give a Judge Cast face. Um. We can do live
1: streams da- or something. I don't know.
0: My my daughter has downloaded Snapchat on my phone and she's like she set up an account on my phone for her yeah. Snapchat. So I I don't know. I know that you can vomit rainbows, and that's about. <laughs> yep. That's about it.
1: All right. Well, I want to thank everyone for listening. I hope they hope they learned a lot, particularly the the newer newer level twos or people very close to becoming level two. My name is Caesar Trader. I keep it fair.
2: I'm Jeff Dunks. I keep it fun.
0: I'm Brian Perlman. And I keep a PTQ in my trunk.